In the show, you have to tell the story. Okay, 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 good. Um, junior year of college, in our suite, our college suite, I was uh, with our friend whose name I will not name because she actually is a fan of the blog. And she's I know a she's, patron. She's a patron. <laughs> yeah, she's she's gonna know this story. But just shortly after we started rooming together, uh, I was awoken in the middle of the night by a strange noise coming from her. And I'm going to make the noise exactly as I remember it. And I shit you not, this is exactly what it sounded like. All right, ready? It's so accurate. It's so accurate. It's so accurate. Like, like I went and I got you and I called you and I was like, this is what she like. She makes this noise periodically, and it wasn't every night. It wasn't for the whole night. It was just like every couple of weeks. It was that noise, and I don't know. Like, I, I won't say I like recorded her or like I like got in close to figure it out, but like I don't know how she was making that noise. But that is the noise that was coming out of her. No, like I I think I was like basically in the middle of a sentence saying like I definitely don't believe you when all of a sudden like from down the hallway i'm i'm like walking towards the bathroom and i hear like very quietly coming under the door i can't do it as well as you can but it it was really incredible it was really something <laughs> to this day we have no notion you know she's married now and i would love to ask her partner does she we, we does she still get, make that noise we should get her partner on the phone and be like uh sir we have a very important question all of our listeners are desperate to know does she still that's make this noise our in her new, sleep? That's our new podcast. We're throwing this one in the trash. Yep. We're having a new podcast Start over. that's just uh, 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 determining uh, whether the weird noises that people made uh, to their college roommates are still noises that they make to this day, 10 years yeah. later. No, I like that. Um, it, wasn't like, it wasn't like a contentious issue where I was like, stop making noises in their, in their sleep. <laughs> But, it was yeah. like cicadas chirping. It was like a seasonal, it was, lovely, it was. peaceful nighttime noise. It, it, exactly. Um, by the way, uh, I'm I'm Kitty. And I'm Piggy. And we're the bitches in Bitches Get Riches. We are two very tired adult humans. And we are here to help you fix your shit so we can all get some fucking sleep. Our time on this planet is limited. So let's get started. Okay. Today's letter comes to us from Reddit, and I'm really excited. Me too. Our relationship's like, oh, baby, I'm on there, like, every day. Like, I basically fall asleep thinking about, like, you should dump him as I'm <laughs> as I'm reading other people's art relationships. This is a great one that I found that I think has a lot of um, hidden issues. Mm. Myself, a 26-year-old man, with my girlfriend, a 25-year-old woman, might break up over a puppy. Dun, dun, dun. My girlfriend and I are in our mid-20s and have been seeing each other for over four years now. We've moved in together last spring and things have been going well. I love this girl. She's sweet, funny, interesting, pretty, and a little eccentric. She's absolutely my dream girl and I can't picture myself without her, but we've been fighting for over a month and it's been hard. At the end of May, we decided to get a dog together. We're both dog people and have grown up with them. Since my parents are close to a couple that breeds dogs, we've bought all three of our family dogs from them. My girlfriend, on the other hand, has only had one shelter pup. 
When we first started talking about raising a dog together, I asked her the standard what kind of dog should we get question about what breed she preferred. But she scoffed at me and said it didn't matter because we would adopt a pet, not buy a purebred one. She said it like it was obvious and that I didn't have a say otherwise. We got into an argument about the pros and cons of adopting over buying, and it just escalated from there. We both started taking it personally and said some things. I said that buying gives you better quality, that you know what you get. She quite rudely said that if we're paying for quality, how come my family's dogs have had health issues and have died young while her shelter dog lived to 17? She said she looked down on people who'd rather pay thousands of dollars than save a life. We decided to cool down and give the discussion a rest. But then we started getting at each other for different lifestyle choices, like how she wants to get married and have kids one day, and I'm not sure yet that that's what I want. And how in my family, having a degree is important, and to her, it's not. Sometimes we teased her about it since she only has a certificate, but we never meant it rudely um, since she has a great job as a software engineer. She's always been sort of indifferent to everything and said everyone has different values and the right to have different opinions that should be respected. She eats meat, wears fur, buys non-organic, buys fast fashion, is non-religious. She's fairly liberal, but tends to criticize some social movements, which is all fine. But my point is that she's never had a firm stance on anything. But it's like I picked a fight about the one thing she feels strongly about, and it's been rough since then. I'm not sure what to do anymore, and I need advice. There is a lot to unpack here. There's so much. Before we even like get started, I feel like there's two issues to address. And you you know us and I know us. And we are going to address the shelter dog versus uh, breeder issue. But we're also going to address what seems to be the larger issue here, which is that they don't agree on some pretty important life stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, we can almost like get the 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 whole getting a purebred dog from a breeder versus adopting a rescue dog from a shelter argument. Let's just get that out of the way. Let's just I, get it out I think of the way. We are very much pro mutt. Pro mutt. If you have livestock, if you are like an IRL cowboy, like go ahead and get an Australian Shepherd or a Great Pyrenees or something that's truly been been bred for hundreds of years or sometimes thousands of years for one specific purpose. Yeah. Working dogs. Hunters, same thing. If you have a dog that's going to have a job, fine. Get a purebred that's really good at that job. Yeah. Um, But I think beyond that very specific, pretty narrow um, circumstance, we are very much pro-mutt. We don't think there's really a compelling reason for anyone to go to a breeder. Um, Breeds are... um, (laughs) breeds are eugenics like let's just go ahead and like get that out there like breeds are weird eugenics uh they it's it was a thing that the victorians started doing because they were obsessed with pedigree and that was absolutely true in humans and true in dogs and and the reality is that um getting a purebred dog a lot of the pros of doing it are really overstated Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of the cons are um are maybe understated. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have friends who um, have bull mastiffs because they love mastiffs, and one of them passed away very suddenly the other year at like two or three years old. What? Um, and even if that dog had made it, a really good age for a bull mastiff is like six to eight. Um, whereas, like you know, little little mutt might live to 
double that amount of time. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of things going on there, but in general, like we have a huge pet overpopulation problem in the United States. Um, and mm-hmm. in many other countries, it's the same case, adding more animals to the population mm-hmm. and also, um, continuing to cultivate an attraction for dogs based on their appearance, which is why most people get mm-hmm. purebred dogs. Right. And that that sort of perpetuates the the puppy mill industry. Um, yes. There's a great new book out I want to recommend everyone written by an investigative journalist called That Doggy in the Window or That Puppy in the Window. Um, clearly, I didn't do my research, but the, the title is basically <laughs> that, that doggy in the window. Um, and it's her deep dive into the puppy mill industry and how little oversight there is and how uh, abused these animals are um, and how, you know, the, the best way to stop this industry is with our, our dollars. So stop buying yeah. puppy milled uh, dogs. Obviously, our question asker here, um, they're talking about going to a reputable breed which I mean if you must have a purebred dog like that's definitely the way to go there's an idea that like oh well mine's coming from a reputable breeder and even if that is the case you are still contributing to um, both the pet overpopulation problem and you are still contributing to the demand Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. that puppy mills are then supplying um, because people see you out walking your beautiful little golden retriever puppy and oh my god it's so cute and i've been thinking about a dog honey let's get a golden retriever oh what's that you are gonna you know give me the contact information for your breeder amazing what they're making me wait a year for the next litter i'll just go to a puppy mill like that's very much Mm -hmm. um, and no one will tell you like we're a puppy mill and and we make our dogs live six inches deep in their own waist and just churn out litter after litter. Like no one's going to tell you that. They're all going to say we're reputable backyard breeders. We're, we're reputable small breeders. They live in the home with us. They're so happy. It's lies. It's bullshit. Um, and even when it's true, it contributes to the lies and bullshit. Yeah. And I also want to say, you know, we're we're not just representatives; we're members. Um, you know, so let's let's cite our own personal experience here. Um, you are a foster parent of dogs, mm-hmm. and you have rehomed how many dogs by now? Twenty, twenty dogs, and uh, about as many cats. So all, all told, I'm I'm about to hit the forties on foster animals. Twenty dogs that were rescued. So I've, I've seen some things. <laughs> you have seen some things, but let's let's talk about the things you've seen, and let's talk about the things that I've seen. Um, you know, I of those forty pets or so, how many would you say were quote unquote low quality to use the terminology in this Reddit user's message? The reality is that. Um, most of the dogs that come to us are pulled from high kill shelters in areas that have a huge pet overpopulation problem and shelters. If a dog is acting in any way aggressive or extraordinarily shy, um, or very destructively, um, the shelter just isn't going to keep them. They're not going to pull them. Like every foster I've had has been truly, uh, an amazing dog. So the, the way that we have things set up is that I foster the dogs in my home. Um, and when applications come in for that dog, I look at their lifestyle and I think really seriously and really deeply about if that's a good fit for this dog, because the dog's been living in my house. I get mm-hmm. to see it when it's excited, when it's sleepy, when 
Um, other dogs are bothering it. When the cat goes running in front of it, I get to see it in all kinds of situations. So um, I usually have the best insights into what kind of dog you're signing up for. An experienced foster looks at your application and tells you, like, I think this dog would be a good fit for you. That really means something. I've turned away people who would be fantastic dog owners. Um, one of my dogs, um, Sunny, for those of you who follow me on Instagram at BGR Kitty, um, Sunny, Sunny uh, had a, an amazing application for a lady who owned a heritage turkey farm up in Vermont. And she wanted this this dog to just like be like her her sweet little farm buddy. And that would have been a perfect life for him. The only thing was that she would go to make sales at, at, at restaurants and um, grocery chains and they would be long drives. And she said, I'd love for the dog to come along. And Sonny gets really, really car sick. He gets <laughs> terribly car sick. Um, and we hoped he would grow out of it. We took him on some test drives to see if maybe he would get used to it. And he's never grown out of it. It's years later, we adopted him and, and he's never grown out of it. Poor buddy. So like foster parents put a ton of thought into like, am I setting you up for success as an owner? Am I setting this dog up for success? Um, so that's kind of like my number one recommendation is, is go with a dog who's in a foster care situation shelter for me is number two because Mm -hmm. that may not be the most natural behavior you may see a dog that looks super shy and is cowering in a corner and it's it's just because it's scared Mm -hmm. um it's just because it doesn't know what's happening to it um and then when you bring it home you'll see a completely um new side to that dog different dog yeah yeah that was a little bit of of my situation as you know um so my husband and I adopted a dog almost 10 years ago now from the municipal animal shelter, otherwise known as the pound. Um, he had been on the streets and according to the vets had scars consistent with dog fighting, which is a huge problem um, in the part of the country where I live. Um, so it's very likely that he was, uh, you know, either bred for dog fighting or, uh, or a bait dog of some kind, but definitely like did not have an easy puppyhood. Um, but, you know, we we met him at the shelter and they put the little whiteboard on their, their kennels that has the number of days until they kill them because they only keep them for 60 days before they euthanize them. So he had 20 days left and he was just this like athletic, charming, happy looking dog. And he hopped right up. And, um, you know, my, my husband is a large breed human. So we love large breed dogs. Um, and he's, you know, he was on the larger side. So we, we saw the 20 days left to live and I was like, we can't leave him. So we adopted him. Um, and it turns out, you know, this, this dog was really just looking for a family and someone to protect, uh, because shortly after, we adopted him he got super protective of us and super fear aggressive and what we realized was you know he was sort of in this limbo where he was like i i just need i just need to be with someone i can love and protect and once i get there like i will protect them with my life so for you know as long as we've had this dog 
it's been an uphill training battle because he is very fear aggressive. And because he is a large dog, it could be quite dangerous. Um, so he's muzzle trained and he's, uh, you know, he's, he's never sort of out of our supervision. Like new people have to go through, like jump through a whole bunch of hoops till they're like, they've got his trust. But, you know, once you've got his trust, he will remember you forever. We've had friends who moved away and three years later came back and he remembered them and was cuddling in their laps. Um, but, you know, it, we were sort of in this situation where the pound was very much pressuring people to adopt dogs. And I don't regret it at all. But I just think if he had been adopted by a family with small children or someone who didn't have the time to devote to training him, he would have needed to be euthanized. Yeah. He he really lucked out getting getting you and your husband as, as yeah. adopters because you guys, I have been through um, the dog uh, uh, acquaintanceship training <laughs> seminar. It is a 90-minute seminar. Not to minimize, um, you know, sometimes rescuing a dog that has an unknown background. You know, you, you may not always know 100% what you're signing yourself mm-hmm. up for. But I would say the exact same thing is true of adopting a puppy sight unseen mm-hmm. um, or like yep. picking one out when it's like, oh, so cute and fluffy and eight weeks old. And are you adopting a puppy who is um, shy, who's lazy, who's super athletic, um, who's really friendly? You really don't know. You don't know. Um, it, it is a gamble. <laughs> Um, I think kind of setting aside all of the dog stuff. You're right. We need. We should move on to what the real issue is here, which is classism. Okay, yeah, so I want to point out the reason that this particular letter spoke to me, and this is my favorite thing about reading like our relationships things, is people come in saying, we have this one problem. And as soon as they start to describe the problem, I'm like pulling my hair out. Like you so clearly cannot see your real problem, which is that you do not respect your girlfriend's opinions at all. Interestingly, later on in the letter, he kind of like does like a 90 degree turn to stop talking about this dog thing and start saying, oh, she wants to get married and have kids one day. And I'm not sure what I want yet. And he's the one who calls her not to interrupt, but he's the one who calls her like not uh, like she, she doesn't have a, a firm stance on anything. She doesn't have a it's firm like, stance dude, on anything. I, yeah, that was yeah. killing the me. The pot, the kettle. Four years is a great amount of time to determine how serious you are about building mm-hmm. a life with mm-hmm. someone. Like that's not if, if four years in, you're not sure. My my advice uh, to this woman would be to like, okay, move on. Like, get yourself a shelter dog, honey, and move out. Exactly. <laughs> Um, the, the point about how she, she only has her certificate. She is a software engineer, but yet his, he and his family have teased her about only having a certificate. What an Fucking asshole. rude. Oh my God. Especially like nowadays when, you know, college is such a huge financial strain on people that like, I think she should be congratulated for finding a way into a high paying career without saddling herself with student debt. Yeah. You know, I think that's amazing. There's nothing wrong with going 
to college. Like we both are college graduates. There is also nothing wrong with alternative forms of training and education, like full stop. That is not something that she should be ashamed of. And it's yeah. definitely not something that her her boyfriend's family should be shitting on her for. I'm picking up a ton of snobbery from him. And I think that the purebred dog kind of like speaks to that. Like, oh, we want to know where this dog came from. We want to know about its background with like a credit report. It's pedigree. And I think that shit is completely irrelevant. It can it can follow its its lineage back to Charlemagne. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, the part where he said, oh, she eats meat, she wears fur, she buys non-organic, she buys fast fashion. It's all fine, but... This dude absolutely knows what he's doing here, or he should, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. um, appealing to... An imperfect adherence to um, a a lifestyle manifestation of values Mm -hmm. and saying, oh, this is proof that I don't have to listen to you in this one area because you're not perfect in every area. Because you're wrong about the rest. That is something I really, truly hate. If this letter is an onion and the first layer is the fucking dog issue and the second layer is this, like, his classist assumptions about his girlfriend, I think buried in the core of the onion is the real question, which is he's looking for permission to break up with his girlfriend. Yeah. And, like, dude, I hope she breaks up with you first, but also, like, I'm so glad in his defense, I'm so glad that he's reaching out and sort of looking at, for that permission right now, because to me, it seems very clear that they have a lot of issues to resolve. Um, and, you know, clearly we don't have the full story and that's fine. And they're, they might have something really great going on, but we're just looking at them in a moment of weakness and disagreement. But, like, they either need to have these tough conversations about getting married and having children and about getting a dog and about uh, their shared values as far as what they eat and what they wear before they commit to each other. And four years in is a a long time coming to be having those discussions, in my opinion. Yeah, agreed. And I think it bears um, mentioning that so they they are 26 and 25. They they started seeing each other four years ago. So when they were in their very early 20s, I think our opinion is that you change the most from when you are like maybe late high school, early college age Mm -hmm. to, you know, fully an adult that kind of like 10 year ish. Yeah. It's formative. They call it your formative years for a reason. You really change a lot. And so if you have relationships that you start dating someone in your late teens or, Um, your early 20s, and then you find that you're breaking up over something, especially if it's something small, you might feel like, oh, but I'm throwing all this, all this time and and the good aspects, I'm throwing it all away. Like, girl, throw it away. People change a lot. It's the sunk cost fallacy. Yes, exactly. We we talk about this in personal finance a lot. So let me just take a second to define it. So the sunk cost fallacy is basically, well, I already paid the down payment for this course, but I'm actually not really interested in taking it. But I already spent money on it. So I might as well like 
pay the rest of the money and like spend my time taking this course. Like, no, you shouldn't make throw good money after bad by saying, well, I've already invested X amount of money in something. I should invest more in it, even though it's probably not going to work out. It's it's costing me opportunities and my time. Um, so the, the sunk cost fallacy is basically you, you need to look at the sunk cost, in this case, the time that they've already spent together and not have that have anything to do with their future commitment to each other. So the four years that have happened have happened. They should have nothing to do with their decision to continue dating or to get married and have children or get a get a fucking dog. They they need to sort of look at those years and let them go and admit that, you know what, those years were a sunk cost. We can't get them back. Uh, but they don't necessarily mean that we need to keep working this out just for the sake that we've already spent those years together. Totally. And I think we tend to have like a very binary view of relationships. Either they fail or they succeed. They worked out or they didn't. You're together or you're apart. Um, And I think those are a simplification verging on a lie. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's very possible to date someone who is terrible for you and walk away from that with a lot of very valuable self-knowledge um uh, some really good instruction about like okay i had no idea what i wanted out of a partner now i know some things and i'm gonna Mm -hmm. date someone else and i'm gonna find some more things and i'm gonna date someone else and i'm gonna find some more things it's not that you are failing at those relationships or that those relationships were meaningless and they and they were a waste of time um in fact like you one or both of you was learning more about who you are, what you need from a relationship, and that's really valuable. So if the two of these these uh, these potential dog owners, which please don't get a dog, um, <laughs> don't, don't get a dog right now. <laughs> Just the fact that, like, regardless of the details, the fact that he says she's she doesn't have a firm stance on anything means she probably does but he just doesn't take the time to understand that and to get on the same page with her and vice versa probably no one who really loves you on a deep um bonded level is going to go onto the internet and describe you as someone who wears fur therefore cannot have or does not deserve a strong opinion on um on purebred dogs not not even where it's for but buys non-organic come on dude buys non-organic oh the charlatan are you good with that i'm good with that um listeners if there's a question you'd like for us to answer go to bitchesgetriches.com and click ask the bitches or i guess ask reddit because i am trolling and creeping (laughs) um there's only one way to guarantee that we'll answer your question that's to become a patreon donor if you like what we do and you want us to keep going please become a patreon donor and support us with whatever donation amount you are comfortable with we don't need a lot just a small donation to help us keep the lights on is fine we also have a merch store where you can buy (laughs) t-shirts and printable worksheets and more (laughs) finally there are some free things you can do to say thanks uh please rate and review us on itunes spotify google play whatever you use uh it bumps us up in the charts and makes us easier to find you can also follow us on twitter tumblr instagram and pinterest and subscribe to our articles so you never miss a new one you can do all of that at bitchesgetriches.com awesome uh hey is there anything else that they should know yes i own a stress ball in the shape of a sperm and it works great that is good to know bitches Bitches out out.